And we're live. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Freedom. Uh, we're gathering around the fire tonight, and we will be discussing side hustles, monetization, si small businesses, um, kind of all-in-one encapsulated conversation. Uh, I think uh, side hustles and monetization kind of are about the same thing, but I think side hustles kind of goes towards the more doing and the monetization is more towards the, the digital content creator um, online uh, space. So, and then small business, I think you move into where you're doing it full time for your income. So side hustle, part-time, small business, full thing. Um, tonight I am joined by Buddy, uh, Hawkins, Toolman Tim, and Ken. And uh, yeah, so let's go around the horn and uh, see what everybody did uh, this week to further their own uh, freedom a little bit uh, and throw in there what you're drinking. <laughs> so let's go. Uh, let's go around Buddy first, then uh, Hawkins. Yeah, so this week, uh, outside of, uh, as the joke is, I was interviewing a lot for jobs. So, but in, in actual, like, uh, furthering freedom, I've been working on doing an indoor hydroponic system. I've been looking for uh, actual trays, like, that are built for it. They are, like, super expensive and then, like, $150 for shipping. So I said no. And I'm going to go with uh, the cement mixing trays at, at Hello's. And I'm actually going to try those out. They're 16 bucks a piece. And so <clears throat> give it a shot. If it, if it works out, then awesome. If not, uh, I will have learned something from that. And then for drinking, my Diet Coke is normal. So and then uh, water as a backup. So hold me. on one second, Hawkins. Buddy, where, where are you located again? I'm in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. I uh I should drive you down. I got a bunch of uh hydro trays down in my barn. Uh maybe we'll oh. figure out how to get them down there for you, but yeah, I've done the cement mix trays too and they'll work just fine for you for now, for okay. sure. So okay. Hawkins. DL froze. No. You Hawkins. Hawkins, you froze up. Yeah, go ahead, Tim. All right, yeah. Uh, well, I am drinking <laughs> Jack Bourbon Cooled from Holler Roast. Um, I'm getting down. That's the last bag of my Holler Roast coffee that I have, so I need to figure something out. But So the, the coffee leads me into what we've done for freedom uh, because living in Canada sucks sometimes, and to get any custom roasted coffee from the U.S. is damn near impossible. I have three friends that run coffee businesses in the States, and it's cost prohibitive. So we contacted a private label coffee roaster this week. I had a Zoom meeting with them and my wife and I, because we don't have enough side hustles on the go, are looking at creating a um, like a private, uh, you know, what do you, private label coffee thing. So it gives me a product to sell through the website, plus a whole thing that she can grab and go ahead with. So sounds very promising. And the business model seems pretty sound and very low risk. So hey, Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually kind of looking into the same thing myself, so we'll have to compare notes on that. Absolutely. Uh, Hawkins, you uh, with us right now? I think so. Can you hear me? Yep. There you go. Let's go to you. Uh, <clears throat> what'd you do to yep. further freedom and be a little bit more 
free this week. Uh, well, I guess the biggest and coolest thing for me was I uh, got a new rooster for my flock of hens. So now I can uh, pump out chicks whenever I need them. So I'm thinking about doing that as a side hustle come spring is I have some chicks that hatched out and that are about four or five months old. You know, they're a lot closer to laying and uh, sell those. And that sounds a lot better than selling meat birds again because I don't have to kill them and clean them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Big roosters. Yep. I'm sure we'll talk and about that later. Fireball again. Oh, oh. <laughs> Keeping it consistent. <laughs> and let's wrap up with Ken. I've got just water with some kratom mixed in with it. Going to that tonight. Uh, this week, I guess I took some inspiration from, I think it was one of Nicole's recent podcasts. And I looked around the homestead and listed a bunch of junk on uh, Facebook marketplace and LSN, which is a local selling network kind of in the vein of Craigslist. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I did. Just looked around. I had actually some decent stuff I could list. I had a set of French doors, which I just sold this evening and a bunch of old windows that I took out of a project that I remodeled. So yeah, a lot of it's free stuff that I got turn around and make a little bit of money on it. So nice. Nice. All right. Um, so everybody's been busy. That's that's good. Uh, but uh, so the first question I had, I, I kind of threw out a bunch of questions you guys throughout the week and uh, hopefully you had some time to think about it. But uh, what was your first side hustle you ever got into? So I know I've been kind of at this my whole life. Um, I think uh, I think most of us kind of get that bug early. Uh more than develop it later but uh when did you start and what was your first side hustle and uh let's go that same direction so how about you buddy yeah so <clears throat> i i'm kind of like a hesitant entrepreneur i like you know, i'm one of these people that i like to overanalyze and, and make sure everything is perfect before i, I do any moves and so i um uh, I have not done as many ideas as I've had. So we'll go with that. Uh, the first one that I really was like, I'm going to go for it was actually my really only main side hustle that I've had. And that was uh, creating training content on programming. Um, and like I had intended to turn it into a full-time business. Um, you know, I like to tell people like it was, it's not successful because I'm not doing it today. I, I like to I like to reiterate that to people. Like if if you're not doing it still, then it wasn't really successful, even though you can have successful things about it. And so one of my successful things was, you know, it made fifty grand over the course of several years, um, and was definitely a part time evenings thing. Um, but you know, I mean, I had a was married, had a kid, trying to finish a degree, something had to give, and that one gave. Uh, so that was my first thing to do. It was all online, all content creation based. And, uh, it was like one of the first ones where it was like, you know, I don't have a hundred percent of the things figured out on this, but I'm just going to do it anyway and see what happens. And actually did some stuff, you know, most of the other time I would plan and plan and plan and plan and spend all the time planning. And, uh, one of the others I tried, um, one of the big player, like, it was a software product that I was like, well, I like this particular type of a plan and no one else was offering that type of a plan. So I was going to do it. And then I was ready to like start acquiring customers and charging for people. And one of the big dogs came in with that exact plan. And I was like, well, 
apparently had a good idea. I just didn't execute fast <laughs> enough. Yeah, I've been I've been swallowed up before for sure and gone. Oh man, remember when I told you about that seven eight years ago? And yeah. you wonder if somebody overheard you. But uh, uh, how about you, Hawkins? You uh, get started early or recently? Uh, the earliest I can think of where I've done anything kind of like that was uh yeah around seventh eighth grade. I was the kid always taking you know my mom would had a uh, thing to Sam's Club and she'd buy the big tubs of candy like fireballs or something like that. I would take them to school, 10 cents a piece, quarter a piece, you know, stuff for pocket change. But yeah, I was, I, that, I do remember doing that a lot as a kid and my mom encouraged it. She was, you know, she'd buy it and she'd be like, all right, well, give me my cut for, you know, buying the stuff. And then, yeah. So I kind of got that push from her. She's, she's always had to pay for out. So that's all, you know, it's kind of your own business. You buy the papers and you, you deliver them and stuff like that. Yep. So yeah. She always kind of pushed a little bit and then, you know, knew about the buying and selling, I guess. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, wholesaling, man. I, that, I think I knew four or five different kids that we all ran around and did that stuff. It's it's fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it really gets you pumping. And I, your mom taking her cut, that's teaching about taxes right away. So that's that's yeah. great. And you get to you get to learn all the kids, not just your friends, because, you know, all these kids that you don't even know are like, hey, man, I heard you got some uh, fireballs. Can I have <laughs> and like, yeah, give me some dimes. You know? So yep. it kind of gets you, it gets you out there into a broader market of meeting people and knowing who's there. Um, oh yeah absolutely yep and learning how to build sales and networking and so. exactly how about you tim yeah so i think i've told this story on other podcasts before but i think the first the, the earliest i can remember was like i don't know eight nine years old i had a buddy we used to hang out in his basement all the time and he had a nintendo entertainment system which was all the rage at the time and uh so we we love playing it and we thought everybody else would love playing it too so we're like okay we'll set up an arcade in the basement and people can come in and play and i want to say it was a quarter for an hour i can't remember what it was exactly but i borrowed a couple of bucks from my grandmother to buy some bristol board some poster board at the mall and we made up these stupid little signs and put them on the telephone poles in like a one block radius and we had a grand total of one customer and we made a quarter and we retired um a quarter richer. I'm not sure who took the quarter because it's pretty hard to split one, but that's the earliest I can remember. Oh, nice. Yeah. Now they got buses that'll put right up to your kid's birthday party outside and all the kids run out and go in, man. You you were ahead of your time by oh, like 20, 30 years. Yep. Uh, how about you, Ken? Uh, the earliest thing that I did was, uh, I don't know if you'd call this necessarily a side hustle, but I was cleaning up job sites for my dad. Um, a lot of the time I would go to work with him summers between school years. I think this was, I started five, six years old and going up cleaning job sites with him. I was hauling nails and water for the guys getting paid five bucks a day. And boy, I, I retired that summer with 300 bucks in my pocket. <laughs> nice. That's the, that's the earliest that I remembered anything like that. Yeah. I think, Mine, uh, I think I mentioned it with when we were talking to Tim, you were telling that story, I think, on in our interview. But uh, I uh, I remember going out, my dad would take me out to the to the golf course when they would have a tournament or something. And they'd, they'd set me outside the door where the guys would go into the clubhouse with a bucket of suds and a brush and uh, a charge like a buck a buck around for washing their clubs at the end of the day so they had nice clean clubs you know you got a seven-year-old kid sitting there going hey mister can i just wash your golf clubs and everybody's just like throwing money and i mean i think that just got me hooked and it got me started on uh, going down that road it was like oh i can do this 
and then uh they would also have me go out and like we had uh a hole on our golf course it was kind of a blind out of bounds that you know when you're playing just normal whatever run down and see if it's there or not but in the tournaments they didn't want to slow stuff up so they had me stand and i'd like try to hide behind this tree while people are hitting golf balls towards me i mean it's like back in the 80s so uh, there was no safety rules or anything but yeah hide behind this tree and then flag them down left or right if they were inbounds or out of bounds so yeah i was uh getting it started early so yeah it's probably seven seven eight years old doing that that was fun but uh so what do you got going on now um everybody got something kind of in the hopper they got something they're working on besides their uh, their main gig and uh and just kind of lay it out see what you're doing i know tim you kind of went whole hog on what you were doing on the side and uh kind of doing it full time and now branching out even more so you want to talk about that tim yeah so like when, when I was going through the questions, I'm like, you know, my whole kind of life is a side hustle now. You know, I Ken knows the feeling, didn't he? Yeah. So it's like, I started out with a hundred different side hustles that all fell under the handyman umbrella. And then I kind of shined them up and figured out which ones paid the best for the least amount of work. And I kept doing them. And, uh, you know, so uh, it's like the whole handyman umbrella is a whole collection of side hustles, right? But I mean, snow right now for five months of the year is as much of a full-time side hustle as you're going to find, you know, and, uh, uh, just like what else And you know, I do garbage hauling this time of year. So it's like a whole, it's a whole collection of a bunch of different side hustles, you know, uh, lawn, lawn in the summer, windows in the summer, um, moving people, you know, we offer moving services. Um, I'll save some of the other ones for a little later on, like when we <laughs> talk about successful and unsuccessful ones, but, but yeah, like, it's so hard to separate what is my full-time gig and what is another side hustle at this point. Cause it all just kind of falls under the umbrella, you know? And like right. at, at first my wife's daycare was a side hustle for us. You know, it was not full-time, but now it's another full-time income. Right. And so each one kind of turns into another little full-time ask, uh, at least full-time in the sense of an income, but then I'm always looking for my next, you know, like the content creation is another side hustle that's, you know, it's bringing money in and hopefully it keeps bringing money in. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, just keep killing it, man. You're just all over the place. Just killing it all the time. I, I love watching you. It kind of motivates me to do better. So, but, uh, how about you, Ken? You got, uh, you got all sorts of stuff going on right now too. Yeah. I, I kind of had the same, same thought that Tim had, like my whole life is basically a side hustle. <laughs> I, um, I, call myself a handyman because I do so many different things, but I guess I'm mostly a carpenter by trade. So a lot of the things I do, I might get into repairs one day and, and doing, you know, some siding on a house the next day. So it's like, I have all these little different partial businesses doing tons of different things. So it's kind of like my whole life is a side hustle, which I, I enjoy that because I like the variety. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's the variety and the resiliency of it, too. Yeah. I mean, the more things you can do, one thing drops off, you just kind of right. pick up somewhere else, or if right. something, right. yeah, because definitely don't stay busy in my area just trying to build decks all the time because not that many people want decks, and half of them that do want to build it themselves because they don't have the money to pay a professional to come in and build it. Um, the other thing I, I have started doing recently is also, like Tim said, the content creation. Um, 
joining you guys here on, on the Fireside Freedom Podcast. This is, I don't know, call this a side hustle, but it's <laughs> part of building the personal brand in that content creation. And even bigger than that is I've, in the last year or two, I've started mentoring and coaching teens in like a life and career coaching, which hasn't uh, definitely hasn't been profitable to, at this point yet, but it's, it's something that's more of a passion project right now, but I'm wanting to push it to help teens, you know, develop their interests and figure out where they're going in life. So that's, that's my biggest side hustle at this point. That's a, that's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll probably talk about that a little later. So, um, uh, how about you Hawkins? You got something going on right now? Yeah. <clears throat> Y'all are a lot more, uh, go getters than I am in, in a lot of ways. I'd say mine are more lazy man side hustles. Like, uh, did the coffee route cause it just grows. And then I, I sell it on eBay. So, uh, we, when we moved, you know, I had to plan a lot more. So hopefully this year I'll have some to spare to actually sell that the reselling of like the boxes I've talked about before. I try to make my side hustles things I'm already doing, you know, things, you know, and then if it, if it becomes too much work, I'm like, eh, but you know, if you can make a couple thousand a year off just stuff like literally on the side or stuff you're doing anyways, you know, it's kind of uh, how I go about it. I, I do something. I see how much work it's going to be, how much, cause I also got three kids under six. So that, you know, that's a lot to try to run with, you know, splitting out all that time. So yeah, but I do want to get into from the dump hall and stuff. Cause I got a dump trailer and now the kids are old enough, throw them a tablet, sit them in the back of the truck and I can go. So, sure. I've got to sure. say right quick, there ain't nothing wrong with being lazy, Hawkins. I had an old Newfie who was my operator in the oil patch. And he said, if you ever want to know the easiest way to get something done, hire a lazy person to do it. And <laughs> yep. uh, But seriously, like that's the way to make money. I'm not kidding. Like you, you find the, the thing that brings you in the most money for the least amount of work. And then you do it a whole bunch of times. So there ain't nothing exactly. wrong with that, man. I'll tell you. We made over three grand from Comfort Root, uh, not last year, but the year before. I mean, <laughs> it's a weed that grows. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> there you go. How about you, buddy? Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm not necessarily entrepreneurial minded in a sense. Like I didn't grow up around entrepreneurship, just people throwing at me. The closest I got was people, well, you know, my parents always having ideas of stuff to do and never doing anything. Uh so um because they were always busy. Um, so for me, like everything about it is, is changing my mindset and kind of worldview towards it. And so I'm kind of getting into the stage of, uh, just kind of scraping around, seeing, seeing what happens and seeing what sticks. Um, but really most of it focuses around content creation because that's, that's the main type of person that I am. Um, uh, I like to do stuff and then teach people how I how I did it so to save them time. Uh, <clears throat> Cause I feel like I always figure out the most complicated things to learn and I find all the, the stuff that doesn't exist. And then I want to create that content. And unfortunately I'm trying so many new things. It's like, what do I show? Like, what do I create content on? Like right now, like I have this, like this is a keyboard. I am working on building a keyboard and I ordered uh, in order to do that, I had to order uh, custom printed PCB boards. And in order to get those custom printed, I had to order 
a set of to build five keyboards and so it's like well why not order five of everything so that's going to be one of my things is once i get done building my first one i'll put all the components up on my site and you know kind of the thing and kind of make try to make all my money back from building the one keyboard by selling the parts to build the others and you know if that takes off like i might send off to print some more boards and some more parts you know and just kind of you know figure that out and then outside of that learning to 3d print stuff and and try to make a couple of products you know and and then <clears throat> so i'm just kind of scrapping around trying to figure stuff out that's non non-programming stuff because that has a shelf life and i'm tired of shelf life content i want evergreen you know something that's gonna be forever in a sense and so uh right now i'm just trying to find stuff that'll make me money um you know outside of my my side job but as i mentioned like it's going to be a while before I figure out what that thing is for me. Cause I, I've, I'm still trying to get that mindset and that view of like, it's okay to try something and fail. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I still have a hard block on that one just because, um, you know, kind of how I was brought up was that, was that definite um, structure to life where you're, you're going from, uh, from kindergarten into the workforce as, as a nine to five. And so everything has to be in the context of that. And to break out of that mold um, <clears throat> is a lot of work. And so it, me, the last several years, I've been trying to break that, break out of that by just trying to learn as much stuff that's not, um, I, so I call programming a modern day blue collar job because we are, we are widgets that can be replaced on an assembly line to create a product. Um, it's a, it's a desk job, but at the end of the day, I am completely replaceable in my interviews. They have standard interview questions and standard things that you need to do. Literally 10,000 other people can answer the questions that I'm answering and pop down and do the exact same job that I'm going to have to have to do. And so it's like a modern day assembly line that, yeah, it makes more money. And yeah, it, it is, you know, it's not physically intensive as, as a lot of other jobs, but it's, it, to me it is. And I'm, I don't have a problem with that, but I was trained for that through, for my entire life through the education system. And so now I have to break that mentality and that has been my biggest struggle. And that's what I'm working on with just trying to scrap and try to, to do uh, side hustles. So anyway, that was a very long answer for a very short <laughs> question. So <laughs> no, no, it, it makes perfect sense. Like I, so I, I was you um, through school, uh, kind of school in college. I went to college and kind of took a, a turn, um, kind of exited college a little early, uh, went into that blue collar uh, lifestyle and then experienced, um, a bunch of different types of job loss, uh, layoffs, uh, seasonal layoffs, um, whatever places close, you get fired here and there. Um, and that really breaks it, breaks you of it. Um, and so in all those downtimes, that's my time. Like, hopefully I get unemployment. Like the seasonal layoffs is phenomenal because you kind of plan for it. You know, what's going to happen. Then you get your, you save for it, you get your unemployment and then you have three months to just pound all day on something for you and, and put that time into you. And, um, so that's kind of where I, as an adult, kind of broke free of that school path. But I always had the the little side hustle mentality since I was a kid. So once those came together, it's like, 
I look around and I see dollar signs, like, especially when I moved to my homestead and I started doing growing things and raising animals. And, um, like I would look at a chicken and go, Oh man, meat, feathers, uh, eggs, chicks, uh, laying hens, like just down the list, bam, 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 bam. I can sell all this different shit. And yeah. So I just, that's, that's how I like somebody mentioned that they just do a lot of little things and see what happens. I think it was Hawkins said, you know, just do a lot of little things and see, see what kind of takes off and what fizzles out and you're not all in on anything. And that's kind of how I did it on the homestead. It was like, I would get to that. Uh, you know, everything takes time is the thing. So when you do all the little things and it takes a little bit of time, but a little bit of time, a bunch of times is a lot of time. And when you got a full-time job, you know, it's, it's that balancing act. So I would kind of float it up to a certain amount of time a day or a week and see if it was worth it and then kind of back it off a little bit, try something else and going through those, you know, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, fortunately, we decided we were leaving here. So we just kind of crash and burned everything down. And right now I'm just doing podcasts and shit and it's kind of fun um i'm not uh, out feeding chickens at four in the morning before work or collecting eggs hoping they didn't freeze and all that bullshit all winter i'm just kind of doing my day job and uh content creation and dreaming up what i'm gonna do on the road i got a coffee thing going on like tim had mentioned and working on that and also uh setting up some sort of consulting on the road when we get going so exciting to look forward to but uh, nothing really solid in the side hustle game and at the moment and it's weird it feels weird like it's it's like steady and calm in my life and it's it's not uh not the way it normally is it's usually chaos left and right so but uh so that's what everybody has going on now have you had anything that you started up ran it was successful and then you you had to shut it down for one reason or the other, not necessarily because it didn't succeed, but just because it was maybe end of life or you moved on to something bigger and better. Um, maybe an idea that somebody could pick up and run with from the audience. Um, yeah, let's start with Hawkins. Uh, one that I had that, like I said, we recently moved about a year or so ago. that I definitely had to stop because of the move. Uh, I was doing uh, storage units. Uh, you can buy them on, there's online auctions you can do. And I never lost on a unit. I mean, I bought one for 50 bucks and I made, I think it was $200 off of it. And just, you know, buying smart and like taking a look and, you know, cause if you buy a unit that's stuffed, you got to move all that. So I didn't want to move all that. Like I said, I throw all the kids in the back of the truck. So I make sure I can get it all out and loaded up within about an hour or so. But I mean, I never, I never lost on, on buying those things. Uh, some of them I made, you know, five, six times of my money. Uh, it's something I'd love to still be doing, but when we moved, I lost a lot of space. Plus, you know, we were out of a home. So I do plan on picking that back up again, because if you watch and be picky about it, you, you can make a really good income because not only from selling it, but stuff you keep yourself, you know, some above board stuff, some below board stuff, you name it, it's all out there. You know, because right. no one knows within that unit except for you when you get it. So what they want to what they want to try to charge you taxes on for selling whatever. Right, but, right, yeah. There's no inventory that comes with it. So, and then you always go to good Goodwill to get rid of everything else, and then you got a tax write off for donating. That's so kind of yeah. <laughs> almost like the person perfect little side hustle. Right, 
Right. Because everything sure. you make, you can write off for that much stuff you just gave away. Nice. Nice. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ken, you uh, you started ramp up anything and then kind of shut it down? Yeah. So a few years back, uh, when I was still living in Georgia, there was a local, they call themselves an RTA. They, they built book displays for a national inspirational book company and they couldn't keep up with building their bases. And I had myself a little wood shop at the time. And so I would spend my evenings cranking out these little wooden boxes. You know, a lot of them weren't, but this big and about that tall, if you can see there, probably average about 18 inches by 18 inches and maybe four inches tall. And I would just crank those things out. And I think I would make like three bucks a box to build those things. <laughs> so, I mean, for that specific one, I don't know how somebody's going to replicate that, but if you've got a wood shop or you've got it, everybody's got, a few tools laying around you can build shelves and little wooden knickknacks telling you the rustic look I mean, people love that kind of stuff on ebay or etsy or something like that just start slapping stuff together and selling it nice nice yeah that's uh and looking for uh also like uh overflow work from from like you were doing it for a factory that couldn't keep up so just kind of talk to people and network and, and those kind of opportunities present themselves if you're if you're kind of looking for them i mean if you're looking in all the wrong places then maybe not but you know just keep an ear out and you'll hear stuff that come up and exactly. make money out of. so how about you tim yeah i had to think about it for a minute i got this awful problem where i forget about my failures so i'm like <laughs> yeah seriously like all i do yeah, anyway it's not it is what it is i think that's the entrepreneurial mindset but <clears throat> One of them, I don't know if I'd call it a failure, but my wife and I, when we first moved out here, we started doing some catering. So there's like a local farmer's market where once a month we would do the meal. So it was a lunch or whatever. And we did a, like a, we did a lasagna lunch for a, um, a local credit union. We did a couple of suppers, Christmas suppers for a couple of different Christmas parties. And we did okay, but like you'd spend $250 to make $400 maybe and the time. So like, you know, you'd have to do it on scale. Like I know lots of people who do it and there's always a need for catering. You know, it just, we, it, it wasn't in our wheelhouse. We, we got real tired with it real quick and it just, the amount of work and the prep time and the upfront investment, it wasn't worth the return for us. So I, it would work in a different environment or if that's what you were doing full time. But for us, we moved on to other side hustles. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's good insight. How about you, buddy? Yeah. For me, my main one was that, was that Django training site. I mean, that's really the only one that has ever, has ever brought money in. Like I've, I've tried to sell a few things on, on, uh, on Facebook marketplace, but it's been like random crap that nobody wants because I don't even want it. And so like, so nobody buys it. And so like, <clears throat> you got to actually sell what people need. It's a weird concept, I know. Uh, so, like, I, though I do plan to, like, try to, you know, do a little bit more of that. Um, I have plans for stuff. But, yeah, my training stuff has kind of been my main thing. My, my One of my problems is, like, I have a hard time with random side hustle. Like, just like, hey, I wonder if I can make money doing this. So whenever I see something, 
my first thought is what content can I create around that? What training can I do around that? How can I teach somebody to do each one of those steps? And then how can I break it down into individual products? And so, cause like I have a scaling thing in my head, everything needs to scale beyond what I can do by myself, or I don't want to consider doing it. And so, uh, which is bad when you just need to get some money in and get started and see if it works. So right. uh, that's kind of, it's kind of where my brain is. And, and so, uh, that's anyway, just trying, so, trying stuff. So was your training course, was that an online delivery? So it was all digital online, no hard DVDs or anything like that. Was it, it was, yep. it was all. Yep. It was a uh, weekly. And then I moved it to three weeks on one week off a uh, video uh, that I would put out and had a subscription for 14 bucks a month. And, uh, so you come back and get the subscription. I would do one free video. Um, ever so often, usually the first part of a multi-part uh, video series. Uh, it's kind of kind of that hook. Um, and this was uh, right. So it's kind of a weird assist transition. Like I did this at a weird time. It was if I would have uh, transitioned over to YouTube at the time I had uh, a little bit earlier by year, um, I probably would be a big YouTuber now, quote unquote, uh, because it was right there in that time frame. Um, and right as training content on YouTube was actually starting to be a thing and YouTube wasn't just cat videos anymore. Uh, <clears throat> but I missed it. I didn't, I didn't see that because I was so focused on what I was doing and, uh, missed that opportunity. Uh, and so, but yeah, and, and I was like, everything needs to be on my site because I want people to pay me. And so that was another thing. I, I started putting a video here and there on YouTube and it would drive some traffic and, I got some stuff. Anyway, a lot of lessons to learn in there. I can tell you all my failures and, and <laughs> what I've learned for the future from that. Uh, so Right. Yeah, I haven't had I I kind of look at it and say I really haven't had any failures. I've learned something from everything I've done, mm -hmm. even if it was a complete just absolute disaster and lost my ass and lost a bunch of money or whatever. I still learned a bunch. I mean, mm -hmm. so that I don't really consider anything a failure, but like uh, Hawkins over there, I, I had a, did a pretty good stroke of business with uh, Confrey. Um, I mean, it was probably four years, five years ago, we, we planted a row um, and started messing around with it. We made, uh, we did, we sold dried leaves uh, online and locally. We sold uh, comfrey salve. Uh, we sold propagated roots and, uh, and crown cuttings locally. And then uh, I put a whole patch back in my backfield. I think I have 120 plants back there. And I was just rolling. You used eBay. I used Etsy. Etsy's where it's at, man. I had like 15, 20 orders a week. I just process once a week on Sunday. I'd go out, dig enough plants to cut it all up, pound it out, ship it out once a week. It was it was great. But yeah, I would leave and can't really take that with you. I am taking some with me. I have plans yeah. to take some of my comfrey with me, some of my horseradish I started. Uh, so yeah, so I want to keep those but plants. I was going to tell you with the Etsy thing, when my wife saw how much I was making off the eBay, she started putting it on Etsy and that was hers. Oh. I had to still dig it up and wash it and everything, but that was her orders and her money. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Cause she managed. So it got her on board with Comfrey though. So, you know what I mean? So that was, that was not a bad thing. She's like, hell, yeah. you can't make some money off this stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> it was, it was great. I mean, 
it just the all around product is what I love about it is there's just so many ways you can sell it. And then if you don't sell it, you just throw it in the compost pile or you feed it to your rabbits or your chickens. It's just this never ending uh, source of money. I think it was, uh, I think it was Brian Norton was on uh, unloose the goose. I think it was with you, Tim, where he said, we got to stop telling our kids that money doesn't grow on trees because it literally grows on trees. You want to sell apples, you want to sell almonds or pecans or whatever. Money does grow on trees. You just got to look at it right. So I think we really do our kids a disservice when we shut them down like that because open that mind and look everywhere for uh, for monetization ideas. But so that brings I, me to... No, go ahead. I would like to tell people, you say money doesn't grow on trees. And I'm like, yeah, but money is made out of plants. It's cotton. So... <laughs> It grows, it grows out of the ground at least. It's plastic up yeah, here. And one more thing, uh, where my wife started doing the conference, that's what, exactly what she started doing. She was like, wait, she started looking around at Etsy and, oh, people sell pine cones. They sell, I think it was a uh, cotton, like where it's the stick with the little cotton buds on it, all kinds of stuff like that. You know I mean? They buy like, and she's like, we, this is all, all around. I said, yeah, let's go get it and ship it. So it kind of got her, that entrepreneur, you know. I got a guy right now that wants to come and uh, and cut down uh, birch birch uh, poles out. I got the I just got a whole woods full of birch trees, and right now the the woods all shrunk down up here, so the skin it's like the perfect time to cut them for crafts and everything. And they'll pay you to come and cut the poles down on your property, and then go. I'm like, have at her, man. Just leave the check out the door. So, Tim, do you have something you want? Yeah, just on this kind of stuff too, like. For us, it, there's so many things. Like every time I post a picture of like a bag of grass, for instance, like when I, you know, put it on Instagram, everybody's like, oh my God, you throw that out. You could use it for mulch, you know? And for me, it's it's the time versus what comes back from it. You know what I mean? And it's the same with the leaves. It's the same with some firewood. You know, sometimes if I can sell it right off the truck, I'll sell it. But then some for me, a lot of times it's just easier to take it to the dump. And I know... And, and some people are going to say, oh, you know, and, and it's the same with like selling stuff. Like we'll go into a, like a bank property, a repo, and we get paid to clean it out, you know. And when I first started, we would haul literally everything out that we thought we could make 10 bucks off of, put it in a storage container, and then trip over it for the next six months. So then it's like, is it really worth it? So now I kind of, you know, I, I look for those high dollar tiny items or things I can flip real quick. Um, I got an engine right now that I think is good. And so the idea is to sell it where it sits so that somebody else hauls it off and I can make money off it. But most times it's like, you know, I got to find which one is worth the time and the money. And there's so many things you can make money off of. But for me, it's trying to find the ones that are the best, I guess. Yeah, I think you guys were both uh, Hawkins and Buddy were down at TSP workshop when, uh, I can't remember who was talking about uh, selling off all their stuff before they moved, but they were saying a uh, hundred dollars or less is a no go. Like when he was trying to clean out all his, his accumulated stuff from his homestead, it was just like, if it's under a hundred dollars, it isn't worth my time. It isn't worth meeting with people on Facebook and all the bull crap and the no shows and the messages listing clearly says $100 pick up only at my house and you get a message like 20 minutes later that says hey would you take 20 bucks and can you deliver it 45 miles from here it's like what what are you are you are you really 
are you serious? Or you list that $5 item and somebody wants you to drive it an hour to them. It's like, lady, it cost me more than $5 in gas, let alone my time to bring you this $5 item. If you want it, you can have it for free if that's how bad you need it. So yeah, the whole Facebook thing, man, that, that drives me nuts. I, I did it for a long time and yeah, <laughs> test your patience with people. I don't normally want to talk to people best I can help it. So normally in our ads, we put no phone calls, texts, or messages. And the first thing you get is my husband wants to call and talk about the item. And I'm like, why? I don't want to talk to you. It's the whole reason I'm doing this. And then, then you get some 65-year-old on the phone who talks to you for 15 minutes about why his old lawnmower broke down and why, he, yeah, oh, no, I just, it's just not worth it. You're right. I like the $100 rule. I got to implement that, I think. Yeah, that the the customers is uh that's a that's a tough one um when you you know that's that's for a different day though um uh, we're we're talking side hustles I guess as part of side hustles you got to deal with customers actually if you can build it out of your side hustle you don't have to deal with customers in person but something to consider maybe when you're thinking about what you're starting up is if you want that extra 10 15 minutes every time you're selling something to somebody coming to your house is uh, something you got to consider. But uh, so what do you guys, if you were going to say start from scratch right now and you wanted to come up with a new side hustle or a new idea, what kind of process do you go through to kind of figure that out? Do you just kind of come across it one day driving down the street and then look into it or, or how, do you, how do you get your ideas? How, how, do, they, how do they come to you, <laughs> I guess? Uh, Hawkins, you got anything to share on that one? Uh, just some of it's just kind of, like you said, just kind of driving around. You might see somebody doing something be like, man, I could do that. Or that doesn't look bad. Or like the other day I had an idea. Um, I had to take the Christmas stuff down, right? And I was like, man, wouldn't it be nice if you could just pay somebody to come put all your Christmas stuff up? They come haul it away and then you don't have they store it on. Well, then it wasn't, I think it was a week or two ago. I saw a guy Then that's half their business is they come they they own everything you pick out what you want they come set it all up they come take it back i'm sure there's probably some kind of insurance on the stuff and i was like holy crap it does exist you know and i was like yeah that's a brilliant idea you know stuff like that um the buying selling a lot i watched a lot of stuff on youtube uh so i got a lot of things from there the storage unit stuff i saw in there and i was like well that seems pretty cool let me check it out and i watch and learn a lot of stuff and like tim was saying that's one thing I had to learn because I would get a storage unit. I try to sell everything, you know, five dollars, everything, and, it, and then I'm like, well, I just made three dollars, but it, I had to pack it, ship it, drive it to the post office. Do it. I was like, that wasn't worth it. So now I got like a thirty dollar rule, you know, if I'm not if I'm not selling it for at least thirty, so I'm making twenty bucks. There's a lot of time I do that. It's it's I try to make like I said, integrate things in. Like when I used to do a lot of eBay sales, I would take my kids to my mom. She'd watch them every day while I drove past the post office every day. So it was already on the way, you know, if I can, if it's integrated in, it's not extra work and time to me, that that's one of the big things. If you can already kind of fit them into what you're doing, you know, I'm going here doing this anyways, or, you know, like I might start selling some uh, feed at people, the people I work with at my day job, because I can, I got a local meal that does uh, non GMO chicken feed. So I can pick up five or six bags on the way to work and drop them off to a guy and do a, you know, a couple dollar markup. Yep. Not a bad, you know, little things like that. Pays for your gas to work every day. Especially when you got a Prius. No jokes. <laughs> you bring bringing bags of food in your Prius? 
I haul more stuff in my Prius than most people haul in their trucks. Oh, that's right. Was that you and I were talking about that? That we had the the Mazda six with with uh, like six hundred pounds of chicken feed in it. It was like yeah, squatting I, on the ground. I think ground. it was. I mean, I've I've you're talking about chicken feed, T post, more lumber, like you name. I got a truck too, but you know, if you can get away with it in a Prius and you got to save that, you know, gas. I got one for on. you. We hauled. 40 Cornish cross meat birds to the processor in the back of a uh, Subaru Outback. That had to stink. <laughs> it no. was bad. It was bad. Never again. We did it one time. We put a tarp down and everything. It, it didn't matter. It was horrid. It was absolutely horrid. It was about an hour one way trip. I brought oh, home three no. wiener pigs in the back of a rental car one time. So, been there, done that. <laughs> At least it was a rental. Yeah. And we considered we 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 had the, I think it might have been us, Brian, because Becky and I had a little Dodge Neon when we first started and we'd haul uh, chicken feed, a week's worth of groceries, three kids and a dog. Oh, but, yeah. uh, we actually went and bought three goats one time and we seriously considered putting them in the backseat of the neon to bring them home. But we ended up paying somebody to haul them for us. But I, I can't. E anyway, yeah, the things we think about. <laughs> Tim, how do you come up with a new idea while you're while you're on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I look around and see what people are asking for. And then I look around and see what people don't want to do. And then I do those two things. But uh, I know it's simple or whatever, but look online. Like when I, when I first, and, and you'll know it right away. When I first started my handyman business, everybody was like, oh man, that's exactly what we need here. Every, everybody's always looking for somebody to do something, you know, and then find the things that people hate to do. There is money to be made in the things that people hate to do, whether it's cleaning toilets or like when I was when I was in uh, college, we used to do I, I my very first year of college was in this course called Extreme Discipleship. And we would go around and like, you know, talk about God's love to people. And one of the things we would do <laughs> was go around to businesses and clean toilets and then, you know, hand them a piece of paper, say Jesus loves you or something like that. Right. And because it always leaves an impact on people's, you know what I mean? So, yeah, that was back in the day. But like just doing shit that people don't want to do. People will pay you a ton of money for any of that, whether it's winterizing a camper or mowing a lawn or uh, one of the things I've been toying with for a few years now is uh, taking my pressure washer and going and picking up people's. We got those gray bins for garbage, you know, yep. and, and like just schedule a day and book everybody who wants it done and bring them home, wash them out and then deliver them back, you know, and just I don't know. There's so many things. Yeah. Oh, for sure. The the looking at what people don't want to do, like like you said, the the dog poop and the gutters yeah. and you know all that stuff that everybody every every year. If you're at work, if you got a day job and you hear guys going, "God damn it, I got to go home this weekend and do that," that's the money you're gonna make right there because you can go. How much is that worth to you? You want you know. 40 bucks you know would you rather sit on the couch and watch the football game because i ain't i i ain't so proud that i ain't gonna go over and mow some dude's lawn that i work with if he's paying me like that gets me one step closer to not working with that guy anymore so you know i'm, I'm willing to hustle like that don't forget too that it's it's worth to them how long it would take them to do it not how long it would take you to do it so like if you mow if you mow 20 lawns a week and you've got a real good system and you can do it three times as fast as the other guy, and it would take him four hours and a case of beer to do it, he's going to pay you for what his four hours worth of time's worth. So don't forget yep. that, you know? Yep, for sure. For sure. How about you, Ken? What do you what do you look for when you're when you're looking? I mean, you got 
you go all different ways with your with your stuff right now too. How do you how do you find those new directions? I try to see everything as a problem. You know, we try not supposed to not look for problems in the world, but if you can see everything as a problem and that you have the solution for it, like figure out how to do that fast and easy. And if it's something that you would like to do, like go offer it to somebody, you know, whether that's cleaning out gutters or, you know, replacing somebody's door windows or cutting grass or whatever, whatever that thing might be. If you can see the problem in it and how to implement that solution for somebody, shoot, go make a few bucks on it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Good advice. Buddy, you got anything to throw in there with uh, kind of, you said you you got a bunch of different directions you want to go. Yeah. So, um, you know, in the tech industry, so I, everything I come from starts in tech because that's, that was my life for 20 years. Uh, still is, is. Everyone's like, everyone's trying to be a market maker. Like if you can be the market maker, you can be the next multi-billion dollar company, you know, like Uber and, and Lyft. I mean, they, <clears throat> they created the market for those type services. Um, but that's also very hard. I mean, survival podcast, they were a market maker right there. Uh, but that's a very hard thing to do. And you have to uh, either a stumble upon it or B have a very, very precise understanding. Uh, most people are not that the next thing you do is you just go find what everyone else is doing and you take a slice of what they're doing. So you just look, I just look around, what are people doing and making money at it? I can do that too. I mean, who knew that making mechanical keyboards was a thing? I didn't know it was a thing until a few months ago. And I just happened to see, I was tired. Like this keyboard here has a membrane inside. I wear my keyboards out every three years and I hate replacing them. They're a hundred bucks a pop. This keyboard right here, I put a little thing in there for, for two bucks and I replace it. And now I can spend $300 one time and save money over the next 20 years on a keyboard or I can spend a hundred bucks every three years, you know? I mean, so I didn't know that was a thing. And I started exploring the space. It's like, holy crap, there are YouTube channels with over 500,000 subscribers on them for keyboards. Yeah. And there are all kinds of different avenues to make money. There's what's called group buys where people are all piling in to buy one specific things. And people are willing to wait eight months for a product uh, for these things, for one specialty thing. It's ridiculous and weird and you can make money at it. And so what I like to do is I like to just, what are people making money at? So and one thing people do is they will build custom mechanical keyboards charge them an arm and a leg and people will pay for it. And so uh, I just, I like to find what people are paying money for and just try to break off a slice of that. You know, I mean, go into the woodworking uh, farm style uh, furniture. I mean, super easy to make, you know, you, you add that little extra quality to it, you know, and, uh, and you can charge the premium prices on Facebook marketplace and, uh, it only adds like an extra 30 minutes to 45 minutes to do. And so, uh, and big enough urban area close to you, sell them, sell them consistently, maybe not like hotcakes, but consistently and make some extra money. Uh, oh, no, for sure. My, my buddy, uh, I used to work with down in the city started doing that. He started just, uh, 
you know, doing the going to um, Lowe's and buying the two by fours and building the different farm tables out of the two by fours, just simple, basic carpentry. And mm -hmm. he borrowed some tools. He made enough off his first table to buy some of his own tools. And then he kept doing it. And then, like you said, improving his technique, he went into doing the distress looks. And then mm -hmm. he went into doing epoxy, like uh, cutouts with port epoxy. And he built this business. It was fantastic. He got his kids into it. And then from all of this, he was able to take the money and buy a uh, the 3D or the laser cutter or uh, a CNC machine. Wow. And he does uh, wooden uh, plaque, like cutouts of lakes and different stuff. He does custom orders and mm -hmm. sells them at farmer's markets. And yeah, he's he's gone full time on that. And that that was because he had built a maid service. He started as cleaning houses uh, as a part time thing, built it into a full time business. And when co and his big money clients were office buildings. So he would go to his day job and then go clean office buildings after work. And so built this huge business and COVID hit and everybody went home. No one was working and uh -huh. he lost all his cleaning contracts that were paying his bills. So he started building tables and now he's doing that full time. He doesn't clean anymore. So, yeah. I mean, he's one of those serial entrepreneurs that I look at and I just watch kind of what he's doing and the roads he's going down. And yeah, I mean, keep your eyes open. Look, yeah. it, it, you, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. I mean, Unless the guy next door to you is doing the same thing and you can't do it better or cheaper than him, then go for it. If somebody else is making money, give it a try. Yeah. Yeah. A firm believer in if somebody else is making, you know, a million dollars a year doing it, you you can probably do that too. Uh, there, and the one thing I try to stress to people, there are a lot of people in the world, you know, like everyone is in a small bubble. And so it is the world doesn't feel that big. But it is huge. And there are a lot of people. Again, 500,000 people have subscribed to a YouTube channel on making keyboards. Like what? <laughs> so yeah. uh, lots of opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to wrap your head around like how many people are in the United States or mm -hmm. North America or the world. Because mm -hmm. you go to online and you're putting content online, you have a, a global audience. I right. mean, that's just, that's unreal. It's, it's the, the market just explodes. Um, yeah. So yeah, you were saying about uh, like evergreen product and throwing it out there, residual income. Does anybody, I, I didn't throw this question on there, but does any, anybody building, Tim, you're building content, you're doing residual income. Is there any other residual income streams that anybody is, is doing? Um, it might be a no, like that's something that I always look for is something that's going to keep paying me forever if I can do it. So I think that's kind of why I'm drawn to that content creation and whatnot. But does anybody have any other of those ideas? And just nod if you do, because I know I sprung it on you guys real quick, but. Buddy, you got something? Uh, I know. Nope. Uh, I was going to say, it's uh, yeah, one thing I, I know Tim's already doing. Go ahead, buddy. Uh, I was going to say uh, the affiliate marketing, like through Amazon. I know Tim does that too. And that thing, I got videos from two, three years ago where I did a product review or something. And I'm still selling stuff through there. I think I made $250 last year off of it. And I mean, like 
So as that content creation stacks, especially with those affiliate links, I mean, that's just on, you know, icing on the cake. You know, I might not make anything off that video anymore. You know, hardly maybe a couple bucks a year, but I might make another 40 bucks off affiliate sales to that thing. So, uh, you know, and to me, I see that as kind of residual. And, you know, as long as they don't change the rules, you know, it's been going on for four years now and some of that stuff. So, you know, I definitely function stacking is a big one, too, because you got the content creation, the affiliate links, and then you're pushing them to your maybe your own website. And I mean, you can stack and stack and stack. And you I know, like can't and you also about the, jobs. You also resell the products a lot of times, too. So that's even I mean, that's. That's that's when you told when you said that that day, I was like, that was great. I love that idea. So uh, how about you had something to say, buddy? Yeah. So for me, I mean, my I think very long term, um, I'm talking 100 year life, you know, 100 year plans uh, that I have um, and I back everything down from that. Um, but one of the things that I'm doing from day one in, in the side hustle, I mean, my main thing is content creation. So that's what I'm going to do. But my main thing that I'm starting from day one, so it makes everything take longer, is I'm making standard operating procedures for everything. I'm tweaking them so that at some point I can just stop and bring somebody else in and they can sit down and do everything exactly the way I'm doing it. And the only thing that I do at that point is cash checks and give ideas. And but somebody else is doing the work. And so in a sense, it's a passive income, but I'm running the business, uh, which is kind of the ultimate goal. Uh, but everything that I plan and do is to cut me out because I, I, want, I want to make sure I can just swap someone out and they can do the same thing as long as they have the personality and the drive for it. Uh, so that way uh, they're handling all the day-to-day -day work. So that's, that's kind of my, my long-term goal. Nice. You can also roll that into like... Um um franchising or you know selling the the setup business yeah. you know and just doing it that way too instead of having to oversee it you're just you're cashing the checks on selling the idea and here's how you do it right yeah so. sure didn't think about it that i was just more like i'm running a business and i have a bunch of people you know doing all the little all, all the work for me and i'm just doing the direction but yeah i like that idea too so how about you, Tim? Do you, uh, I saw you nodding down there. Yeah, well, we talked about affiliate marketing and that kind of stuff, which is great. And it is residual all the time. But our next, another thing that we're heading toward is uh, rental properties. Uh, you know, I do property management all the time. And, uh, you know, I see the residual income that's always coming. And so we're, we're definitely, we're working our way toward that. That's one of the next definite steps for us is uh, one, two, three units, something like that to to start getting some of the some of the money coming in, you know, so that definitely, you know, and then what we talk about sometimes we're like, well, we get this house paid off, we'll rent it, and then fix up another one, because that's what we did with this one. And just yeah, that that's one of our one of our long term goals for sure is to get some rental properties because I just had uh, Chris Spees, I hope I pronounced his name right, he was on the show the other night. He's from the LFTN community. Yep. And that's what he does. And it was awesome. So yeah, we're definitely, definitely going to be heading that way. Cool. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned that the other day and I, I got excited for you. I, I, that's kind of one of my, uh, one of my uh, big goals down the road was always to, to have some rental properties. And uh, you said that I was, I was like, go for it, go for it. That's, that's a way to build some really good income going, going forward. So uh, Ken. Yeah. So 
it's kind of funny Tim mentioned the real estate thing. I just told my wife this evening, I said, we've got to get some houses and, and get some renters in them. That, that's our next thing. We've got to get into that. But along with the, the content creation thing and with the team coaching, one of the things that I've been working on is building out some courses to where I, you know, not everybody's going to want to pay for my time for me to, to work, walk them through developing their career or figuring some things out for themselves that, you know, maybe watching a few videos doing, going through a little course, they could figure some of that out. It's a lower barrier to entry for a lot of people. So that's one of the things that I've been working on is, is building out a couple of courses. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, buddy mentioned that when he was talking about his course he had, now you're mentioning it. I'm actually thinking about putting one together nice. in the industry that I'm exiting, um, as kind of, you know, a culmination of my, my time learning that skill. Cause you know, it was a new industry. I, I, I jumped into four years ago. I've built a base skill, um, that could help a lot of owner operators kind of save some money. And, uh, so I've been contemplating, how to make that work before I, uh, I move on and, and take off out of Minnesota. So, uh, I, uh, I think that kind of runs through our questions. We did have a question this week in the, the fireside freedom chat on telegram. Uh, Mel asked, uh, how to find and attract investors is what she'd like to hear about. Uh, she's, she's got some side hustles going. She's willing and able to put in as much sweat equity that's needed. However, a lot of things need financial backing to get up and going. Does anybody have any uh, insight on that? I don't. I've I've always kind of just kept it at the at the base level um, where it is. It's going to build itself, or it's it's not going to happen. Maybe maybe I had to throw some money out of a bank account, but it was nothing ever financially significant. I've never gone down the road of a small business loan or anything like that. Um, if any of you have. Um, I see buddy unmuted there. Uh, you got something you want to add to that? Yeah. So uh, depending on the scale that you're after, um, if you're after VC money, I'm not going to be a lot of help. Uh, I know people that, that know that. Uh, but uh, if you're just after uh, small time investors, kind of your hometown people, um, the biggest thing is to get involved in local business um, organizations like Chamber of Commerce, things like that. Go get involved and do stuff there. And uh, it's, it's it's one of those, like, if you provide value to someone else, then they'll provide value back to you uh, type thing. And uh, as you build relationships and do work and, and show you're part of the community, um, you can just start talking, hey, I'm doing this thing. And uh, and usually the people that are invested, invested minded to actually offer money that have money. Um, they're, they're, they always have their ears perked up. And so when they hear something, uh, they'll, uh, they'll either a be like, Hey, let's, let's grab coffee and talk about it and can lead into it. Um, but you also learn to, you can learn who you can find out from one person to the next, who's people that actually do investments. And then you can actually potentially go, uh, get, uh, get on their radar and like actually say, Hey, I have an opportunity, uh, would you, but the biggest thing is you, you to get involved in, in local uh, entrepreneurial style uh, organizations and uh, build relationships. 
When, when you're, yeah, when, when you're dealing with money, it's all about relationships uh, at that level. I, all the way from the small scale to the VC, whenever one of the startups I was at, our CEO is like, literally my only job as CEO is to go out and talk to people to try to get them to make more, to pay, give us money. And all it really is, is talking to them all the time. <laughs> and so, right. uh, and so it's just that it's like, you just got to be communicative and build relationships. Uh, it's, it's one of those, like it's, it is stupid how easy it is or simple it is, but it's not easy. Yeah. Um, and so. And it takes practice too. I mean, once you start, once you start getting in front of people, Mm -hmm. it it really becomes the more you do it the easier it becomes to talk people you're going to be i mean if it's the first time you're you're going to a chamber of commerce meeting or like a business networking meeting on a on a sunday morning or whatever they have have networking groups and you gotta you gotta sell you Mm -hmm. and you've never done that before it's i mean i've been through it it's uh i i guess i did start a small business but it it didn't take any startup capital but yeah i was going to all those meetings and the first time you had to sell you and have the confidence to sell yourself it was it was pretty nerve-wracking but after a couple times i mean it just becomes old hat because Mm -hmm. once you hear no a couple times you're like eh, it's not that bad like yeah well it's like going through the i mean I, i think i've been through about 20 interviews in the last few weeks like this point it's all the same it's a game and i'm just playing the game and uh it's annoying that that i have gotten so i don't know disillusioned that that now i'm just like let's play the game you know but uh you know that's what it just becomes so yeah it is and like i'm kind of looking looking like you are at the moment i'm doing a lot less passively because i i do have something i'm just looking to transition and it's it's a big game i mean you're trying to you're trying to you know you know this is kind of off topic but yeah beat the hr the hr bots and uh, then mm-hmm. get through the gauntlet of uh, canned interviews so yeah. but uh um anybody else have anything uh, uh for mel and her question about uh financing tim yeah my of course, I always go a different way, but like the question said, I'm willing and able to put in as much sweat, sweat equity as needed. However, many things need financial backing to get up and going. So my brain goes to the many things. So I look at, okay, you're not saying all the things need a lot of financial backing. So start one that doesn't and then back it yourself. And I know that's a real simplistic answer and I'm not trying to be coy or whatever, but like find, find the one that takes the least amount of investment and then work the hell out of that and make money and make money and make money and then turn around and invest into the next one and then step yourself up, you know, be your own. I'm not saying that works for everything because it doesn't. I mean, I know, you know, if you're a great big, you know, want to, you know, launch a social media network or something, well, you're going to need a lot of money. But most of these, you know, most of these things we want to do, there's always a way to, you know, there's, there's always a side hustle or it sounds like hopefully there's an idea in there that, won't take a lot of startup, start with that one and then build towards something else. You know, the old paperclip thing, the bigger and better game where the person started with a paperclip and traded it up till they got to a house. That's my mindset there. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah the other side on that is, is uh, like, as an example is, can you, can, can you get a job and it pays for the rental of the tool in a sense? Like as an example, we did, uh, I did trench, uh, do a trench and I found out, Hey, if I rent the trencher on Friday morning, I don't have to turn it back in until Monday morning. So that gives me three days to do stuff. If I can line up several jobs of doing trenches, 
over that course of that three days, not only am I, you know, paying for the tool, but I'm making potentially a lot of extra money. You do that a few times, you can go buy the trencher. And so, yeah, that was, that was the old, uh, flip up the, uh, flip the wood splitter. Uh, you get, uh, you, you bring in the wood, you get this, the, the slab wood, you cut it up, you get it all ready to, to split, you rent a splitter, you split it all. And then you take all the money you make off the wood and you buy yourself a splitter and then you have it. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, depending on how much you're going to use it, it almost, it almost benefits you to rent it sometimes. I think, uh, mm-hmm. there's been lots of the, the chipper discussions is yeah. the big one. Like oh, I'm going to buy a chipper and it's going to be fantastic. I'm going to make all my wood mulch. Yeah. Good, good luck. <laughs> good luck. I mean, just go search on the internet on chipping up wood chips. So, uh, Hopkins. Uh, yeah, I was just, one of the things, uh, is you got to have a track record too. When you got, you're talking about people investing in you. Uh, so part of that, like we schedule, we do a, a schedule F every year. We don't do a lot of farm sales and anything like that, but by doing a schedule F every year, if we ever need or get to the point where we need a, we want to ag loan, you need that track record of showing, Hey, look, we made money each year, whether it's a lot or not. So you, you know, investors want to see that they want to see the paperwork. They want to see a track record of you doing either in that same industry, or if you've taken other businesses in the past and made them work, you know, so that that's going to be a big thing is, is a be organized, I would say, and then have that trail, that financial trail to show them, look, I'm a responsible person when it comes to money, because you're talking about, you know, someone else's money there that you're going to be responsible for and have, you know, they worked for and did things hard for that you're going to have to cater to good. I watched a lot of shark tank while I was on vacation. That's another good place though. Cause I mean, they'll eat them alive when they don't have their numbers. Right. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest thing. You know, that's, it's, it's a good way to see what investors would want to see to invest in the company in a person. And right. a big one too, was also the confidence. Like you said, selling yourself. And uh, I am one of those that bought the trencher by the way. Did you? Because I use it here, and now I actually have people that want to use it and borrow it and rent it from me. So that's how. And uh, I also made some YouTube videos on it. So I made I paid ten percent of that's paid off just from YouTube income on a couple videos of it. Nice, nice. So yeah, on the, on the track record, yeah. Sometimes you got to give up a lot for that first time. The company, a company I work for, the this the CEO gave up eighty percent of his company because he didn't have the track record. Sold the company for over a billion dollars. So the next time he got the only, he only had to give away 60% of the company. So like, you know, that first time you might have to give up a lot, but that next time, not so much. And then each subsequent time, uh, you do more and more eventually until you're not seeking investment at all. So that's kind of like the larger scale of, uh, like what Tim was describing, kind of rolling over all your profits into the next venture is, uh, taking, taking a big, big cut or a big hit on the ownership selling and then just rolling your successes together. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big game. It's kind of just figuring it out. Do you have anything to add on that, Ken or no? (laughs) Um, I don't see any questions in the YouTube chat or float. Anybody got anything on Odyssey? No, nope. So I think we're we're at an hour and ten. Um, anybody got anything else they want to discuss about side hustles, uh, small business? I mean, I don't have a whole lot of small businesses. Is, is my thing. I'm I'm the side hustle uh, all over the place. But uh, does anybody else have anything they want to talk about, Tim? I got one more. 
Uh, lo- lo- talking about renting items and things like that. Like I, um, lawn aeration and garden tilling. That's something that you only do once or twice a year. And um, if you buy the gear, you end up tripping over it all year long. And you got to winterize it, dewinterize it. And every time you move it, you curse. So for me, what I do is I book all my lawn aerations in one day. And I, I think it's like 80 bucks to rent it for the day. The first job pays for the rental. And then the next 10 to 15 jobs I do in that day are, you know, or cash money and that's it. Then it goes back and it's their problem. You know, they take care of the maintenance for the rest of the year. And same with a garden tiller. I had a garden tiller two, three, four years ago and uh, wrecked the starter assembly on it. And then it just set and it was in my way. So I ended up renting one every year and I book five, six gardens a year to till. I go and do it and I take it back and it's their problem. I just, all I got to do is make sure it's gassed up and rinsed off when I take it back to them and it pays for itself. So just think about that. Anytime you can rent something and make money off it. Everybody wins. Right. Yep. You have, you don't have the maintenance. You don't have the ongoing costs. You just have that one time one and done fee to rent it and make your money while you got it and get it back. I actually uh, have a uh, uh, drywall lift in my garage that I have that uh, I've been thinking about renting out to people because that's something that people seem to want to rent all the time. And I just had it. They're so inexpensive, but people are going to use it once and they don't want to buy it. And I'm like, well, I got a place for it. So I bought it and now I'm, I'm thinking about renting it out, but it's a lot of, uh, a lot of work getting that. I should probably just sell it and go move into the camper. So (laughs) But uh, uh, anybody else got anything to add on the topic or? Uh... I, I was just, I was thinking, you know, what is, what is one small thing each of us can do this week to, to move our, to move our side hustle forward? Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I can, I can go first on that is, uh, is this week, since I want to sell all the parts for my keyboards is to actually uh, try to start building the first one so that I make sure I had all have all the parts so that I can put that up. Plus it's content that I can put on my website and the thing. And uh, now it's like, not only am I a getting a keyboard, but B I'm creating content that can make money and C now I can turn around and say, Hey, when you buy this, follow this to put it together. So uh, all the, all one thing, but start that process this week was my plan. Nice. Nice. Tim. <laughs> I was just giving Buddy thumbs up there. I love that. That's a great idea. I love that. So uh, what we're going to do this week is drink coffee to expand our freedom. I got uh, five different types of coffee coming from the private label coffee company. It's supposed to be here because I am running real low on Nicole's coffee. So, uh, but we're going to, yeah, we're going to um, brew them all up all at the same time. And uh, myself and my sister-in-law are both coffee snobs or aficionados or whatever the hell you want to call us. So we're going to drink a bunch of coffee, see which ones we like. And, uh, yeah, we're going to go from there. So that's definitely, I mean, how, doesn't get any better than that. Drinking coffee for freedom, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, Hawkins. Uh, mine, I got to get some more content out on my YouTube. I got probably 10 items sitting here. I bought off Amazon. I need to do reviews on. Can't really do a lot of projects because the shoulder's still, but I mean, yeah, that and, uh, listing stuff from those boxes me and the kids go through i got more of that stuff to list and get out there and sold nice nice yeah yeah for sure ken i got some more stuff i need to list on facebook or lsn or craigslist or somewhere i was just uh thinking about one of my old kind of side hustles that i had started to get into i bought a little 
tabletop CNC little wood engraver thing. And I've used it half a dozen times and it's sat there for about three years now, not, not being used in the box. So I need to list that thing and get some money back out of it. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. We were just, I just mentioned that my buddy was doing that. You should, uh, you should maybe use it, sell some of the things from it. I got one of the cheapest little ones they had just to try um, to get into it. And I mean, it's, you can't do a whole lot with it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I guess somebody can have fun with it. I don't really have a place to set it up right now. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Well, I am uh, going to keep pumping out content uh, six days a week, I guess, uh, in the mornings. And then I uh, got uh, some reviews here on my whiteboard next to me to do and uh, some more stuff to get up on my website. And yeah, just throwing content out there. That's everything I'm doing right now. So um that's those are the little steps of uh of my life right now <laughs> every day uh content 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 so uh but i think that uh we can probably start wrapping it up here we'll go around uh one more time kind of tell people where they can find you what to what to look for what you got coming up and uh and yeah we'll wrap this up so how about you go go ahead first buddy yeah you can find me buddy.net and uh really not a lot going on right now while i'm hunting for a job but uh, i'm still doing my weekly podcast and so that's the main thing but uh, as soon as i get a job start looking for a new content to come out after that uh so yeah coming up project wise um one will be a keyboard and uh for sure and then uh this year at some point i plan to start building a trailer uh so that'll be a lot of fun um it's going to be a uh a, a large like a uh, 14,000 pound you know general weight rating trailer tilt and put sides on it and kind of multi-function dual tandem thing like it's a lot of design work going to go into that and i plan on creating videos not only the theory of design but all the way through the process of building and, and getting it going so nice uh, that it's going to be a long series but and a lot of technical side which is what i enjoy so that's that's one of my big projects this year. So, Cool. Cool. It sounds fun. And uh, get that uh, hydroponic system going too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Hawkins, where can we find you? What you got going on? Hawkins, uh, Chicken Hawk Farmstead on YouTube. Um, was it Instagram? A bunch of the other places I think on float and everywhere else. Uh, you can find me there. Just putting out some more uh, videos and uh, hanging with the kids. Uh, definitely hit me up on any of those. And like I said, I do a lot of project reviews, DIY, anything that needs to be done around the house, I record it, throw it on there. That way I can remember what I did later on. Nice, nice. Ken, where can we find you? The Constructive Liberty Podcast and the Team Catalyst Podcast. Uh, Constructive Liberty's lifestyle design. Team Catalyst is also lifestyle design, but for teens. Perfect, perfect. Tim. Yeah. So, um, shameless plug. I got a contest on the go right now. Uh, it's the prepper gear giveaway. I don't know why I love groundhogs day so much, but it's the <laughs> second annual Toolman Tim's giveaway for the groundhog day anyway. So it officially launches tomorrow, but it's been going for two days. We got like a buy it for life can opener, uh, 34 piece tire plug kit, um, go V freezer alarm and uh, Lansky knife sharpening. So run by toolmantim.co. Enter. There's a way to 
uh, you get one free entry and then there's four four more you can earn depending on what you do and yeah just run by there sign up and yeah appreciate it guys perfect perfect yeah everybody's links is in the in the uh, show notes so if you didn't hear anything or you're wondering how to spell it just uh, scroll down a little bit um my name is Brian. I'm with The Lots Project. TheLotsProject.com is where you can find all my stuff. Um, there's links to all my socials. You can normally find me hanging out on Float. There's about my uh, the most time I spend online and uh, or in Telegram. And you can find my channel at t.me slash project. And uh, yeah, sign up for the channel and uh, get all my notifications when my podcast goes out daily podcast every morning 6 a.m central uh live on youtube float and odyssey so this has been another edition of fireside freedom join us next week uh topic is i believe homeschooling and it's going to be uh be hosted by amy dingman and i think hawkins will be on letty uh we'll see who else so uh be sure to show up next week tuesday night 7 central and it's been nice talking to you guys bye Thanks. Have a good one.